Welcome to Keeping Track, a Trapmania community podcast where I interview your favourite members of the Trapmania community and ask them the same set of five questions. The guest this episode is Sabre. We reminisced about the good old days, what was and what could have been, as well as what might be in the future. So, question one, uh, when did you get into Trackmania and what was it about the game that got you hooked? Uh, so, it was probably like early 2009, I believe is when I first discovered the game. Um, I was playing like a strategy, tactical team-based game that was really small called Call of Combat, like a really small little indie game. Uh, I just remember one of the guys that was kind of in my clan picked up Trackmania Nations Forever and like recommended it as like a free game to uh, to give a go. Um my hardware that I was playing on was very limited in its capacity. You know, this is obviously the late <laughs> 2000s and um, I'm like, at this time I'm 13 years old. So I had a, I was playing on a pretty shoddy Dell laptop, let's put it that way, for uh, the first maybe 12, 15 months of, of gameplay. But yeah, I was I was hooked from like pretty much the first moment I picked up uh, picked up the game. Um, didn't play even on keyboard for very long. I pretty much got a gamepad very quickly. And that was that, really. I just kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Started pretty casually, but I, I kind of discovered competitive play like quite early on too. Um, what all things considered, what was it that got you to discover that competitive play? Then, what was the um, of your interest there? I think it was just because the ESL tech tracks back then were just incredibly popular tracks on servers. So like you would kind of see the same kind of names on tech servers towards the top of the records. You know, Kayan's obviously the classic, but you, you know there were plenty of names from back in the day that I could ring off that were always either on ESL competitive. Uh, uh, like kind of practice servers which a lot of people kind of frequented and were always like kind of high up on like the number of users playing on a certain server like on the server list so it was pretty easy to have exposure to it and especially the advent um back in the day we had something that was very similar to like um uh like a go tv we had a relay servers where you could go and watch high level competitive games like esl tech tournaments like the premiership was very popular for people to go and watch you know their favorite team whether that be like n faculty or Celsius turned Yo-Yo Tech. There was, you know, there was so much kind of community, and everyone would sit in the relay servers watching the best players in the world play like five v five formats, and the, the the rivalries were pretty intense. And um, it was kind of easy to, I think, kind of get involved back then, um, as it still is now, of course, especially with the advent of streaming. Like this was obviously a time before. Uh, I mean, maybe just in TV and, li- and live stream TV were in their infant, very infancy <laughs> back then. So, and then maybe own 3D was around, but like, yeah. Chatmania streaming was very much not a thing at this point. It was very much a novelty, like in the um, you know kind of the early years of the next decade, I'd say. So it was a lot more about just being within the the client itself and making friends that way. Yeah, I find that really interesting. So I didn't know about um, the sort of in client spectating uh, that you guys were doing in that era. I think that is something that is kind of missing because uh, you mentioned the Twitch streams now, which is how a lot of people engage with esports events. But that very much puts a person or a production at, at the top of that, if that makes sense. You know, you're all watching something. But I imagine sort of all huddling around effectively your uh, your own spec day clients and being able to have a more loose conversation amongst each other probably was uh, was quite fun. Yeah, we had our own little in-game chat that was always just getting spammed, obviously. Uh, the players <laughs> on the server proper couldn't actually read what was being said. God, thank God for that. But um, yeah, there were there were some places. And also what was really kind of kind of cool about the tech was that, for example, uh, WCG 2009, even the SMC 2008, like the uh, relay servers could ta- tack onto a LAN server. So you could actually watch LAN matches on a relay server in the client, which I thought was like really cool tech for the time thinking back. Um, I don't know. I don't know quite how it works, but... Uh, 
got some nice little networking little pop tips and tricks i don't i don't really know <laughs> but yeah um, I, I feel like live streaming is almost we've lost features there because i i think I, you can't really imagine being able to watch every single uh match of a lan event um in a modern uh track mate, like xp evo for instance you, you an event that's recently gone on i can't imagine there were streams for all of the matches um and even so we, we we've got coming up uh, uh an event with beacon where there's a seeding and there's four servers there and we can only really, if, if we choose to stream that, we can only really cover one match. But yeah, if everyone could just quite easily, because right now, obviously, people try and jump on the server and it can cause issues with like the server lags or people can accidentally join even if it's whitelisted. So yeah, yeah it was a fantastic like workaround that disappeared. Yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I was, I remember when I came back to TM2 and obviously Twitch was now a thing by this point and like, um, so like I played through to like 2011 and then I actually quit for like, two and a half, three years, I would say. I went to try and play StarCraft, went to just, I was just kind of, you know, in my latter years at secondary school. I kind of like fell out of love with the game in 2011. Um, it was actually um, an interesting story. I qualified, so I won the ESL Pro Series, the last one they ran in 2011, which was the first, you know, the last UK championship they ran for over a decade until, of course, uh, all this stuff really sprang up with BITM in the current, in the current edition of the game. Um, I won that and then during the year I was playing for Yoyo Tech, which was one of the main two teams in the game, like one of the top two, top three teams in the game. Um, and I qualified for ESWC, not for a UK qualifier. Historically, we always had like a UK qualifier that people would play. Like in 2008, uh, Nemesis went to San Juan to play ESWC 2008. Um, I believe Shaw went to WCG 2009 in China as a UK representative. Uh, I know Shaw and obviously Hot Swap went and played numerous world championships too. Um, yeah, I actually qualified for USBC 2011 when I was still only, I guess, 15. And uh, my dad actually uh, couldn't get his, pa he, like he kind of fumbled the bag with the passport, uh, with oh, his no. own passport, and uh, he couldn't get it renewed in time. And then, and yeah, my parents didn't want me to travel alone. So I ended up just having to drop out of the tournament last second, which was incredibly gutting. And pretty much after that, I quit the game for like, two and a half years and then kind of rediscovered the game playing a game, a game of CSGO matchmaking with some Trapmania players who asked me if I wanted to like uh, be a mercenary for them in the TMM 2014 like early early in that year and obviously this was on the TM2 at this point and not TM Nations forever and then that was when I kind of played again for another two years before uh, quitting again <laughs> yeah it's been a very stop start kind of career yeah, um, it's it's interesting because I think you're the only guest we've had that has, uh, you know, intense, uh, should we say, experience in TM2 competing. Um, so uh, looking at uh, Liquipedia, you went to the uh, eSports World Cup or Electronic Sports World Cup um, in 2014. How was it competing in TM2 compared to um, Nations Forever? Uh, so TM2, I think I'd like the game. The game like wasn't quite as buggy. Um, this, but, uh, but, but there was still plenty of like Ramstein issues. Like you had, like, it was a completely different meta how you played tech back then, because you really had to weigh up risk reward management, like with regards to the fact that the Ramstein could just throw you off, you know? Mm. And it was always like, how much can we push the limit in the game? But like, con like conservatism was very much rewarded in, 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 especially in TMNF, um, TME, TMESWC, actually the first edition didn't, really didn't have these issues. It, they really only came to the fore in TMNF. And then in TM2, they still existed, but on a bit of a lesser scale. And then eventually they got eradicated, you know, as of not long before heading into TM2020. 
Um, but yeah, that was kind of like the meta that always kind of dictated gameplay in uh, in, competi- in competitive ga- uh, games because it was always basically tech. Obviously, there was a full speed and dirt community too, but they were very much a sideshow to the to the main course, which was you know tech being run by ESL, ESWC, and all of these other kind of organizations. Yeah, so it was it was very competitive when I got into TM2. Um, when I came into the game, the kind of who was at the top had very much shifted. Frost wasn't really playing competitively anymore. Frostbuel, obviously, a legend of the game. Harking from way back, obviously, won the world title in 2008 and 2010. What at ESWC, one at WCG. Uh, obviously, Carl Jr. had kind of risen up. Like, I actually competed with Carl, firstly, in 2010, when he was to have been... God. He must have been 12 or 13. Yeah, very young. <laughs> I was 14. Because we were, uh, there was a massive online cup that actually didn't have any prize money, but had a lot of prestige called the Giant Cup. And we were both like in the playoffs. And he ended up coming second to Frostbuel. He was literally like 13 years old, I think, maybe even 12. <laughs> Absolutely absurd stuff. But yeah, Carl obviously had kind of matured and, you know, with his first DSWC at 2013 and was basically completely dominant on the scene. No one, no one could beat him. And like in that stretch and like where I basically competed pretty intensely, like he was just. The de facto number one, no one could come close. Like it was only back in 2016 that kind of was the first man to uh, to challenge the dominant era that he built for himself. Um, and now they're teammates, or were mm-hmm. teammates. Who knows Indeed. what's going to happen next year? Uh, yeah. So, so I just want to go to, on that uh, Electron Sports World Cup event. Then, um, just looking at the list of players, it's it's a nice list of players that are still about. Um, many have sort of moved into more of a content creator role. Um, like, you know, you wouldn't say Scrappy or Spam are competing at that top level anymore, um, but there's still players, like you mentioned, Carl Jr., um, that are competing at that top level. Uh, well, yeah, do you have any any distinct memories from from that event in Paris? Um, I remember how much of a, of a great communal feel we had because it was one of the only events that we had, like, of a major land tournament that had 32 players. Like, back in the heyday, like, in, in the mid-TMNF days, they were winning 32-player world championships. But the meta, like, since, like, ESWC had, like, because it had folded in, like, 2008, 2009, and then, like, got bought by a French company, and there was a lot of jam around that. Frostfield didn't get paid his money from the 2008 win for a long time, and then eventually, like, settled with the new company in some facet, but it was, like, a long time, like, long-running kind of boycott from on his behalf of the of the brand, which kind of was one of the main storylines that kind of allowed for Carl Jr. to rise a little bit more quickly, I think, that people might have forgotten about that Frost actually only reconciled with ESWC as, like, the main figurehead in the community running, like, weekly races, everything else. Um, it was only in 2014 that he actually reconciled with ESWC, I think, got some kind of finally got some monetary compensation for six years prior and actually streamed the event. So there was um, it was one of the first ESWCs that was covered in depth on Twitch, um, if not potentially the first, definitely in the English language. Um, obviously there's always been francophone coverage <laughs> to death being in France every year. Uh, it was, it was a really fun event. Like it, the community field was amazing. Um, I, it was my first ever Trackmania LAN event, um, despite having competed at like pretty close to the, to the top level from like 2010 through to like late 2011, 2012. And then before, before having a hiatus, I, I'd always just been a pure online player. And I was very much more of like a time attack focus. Like I could hit fast times and my consistency was almost non-existent. <laughs> um, I think some of that was down to hardware and some of that was down to maturity. I was a very young player. I was 
14 years old or something, 15 years old in those days. And by this point, I was 18 years old, which is still very young, of course, granted I'm 28, but um, it's, I think because I've been competing in StarCraft in the two years between playing Trapmania Nations Forever and Trapmania 2, um, and I'd gotten to quite a decent level in StarCraft, like I was like bordering Grandmaster, I was playing for Team Infused in StarCraft 2, and then had some exposure playing LAN tournaments in StarCraft 2 in the UK. Um, and you know, it was, so I was, uh, so I, so I'd, I'd gotten like used to the land feeling. So it, despite it being in a game that I'd never, like, even though it was the original game I competed in, uh, I did have land experience in a different game, which was a bit of a weird way to do things, but yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I really like, I think I was far more of a consistent player in CM2 as opposed to like the young hot headed push it to the limit guy I was in Champion Nations forever. Like this, I'd still had, I think, pretty great pace. Like, um, I think 20, 2015, right before I quit again, when I went to university, I was probably playing the best Trapmania of my life. Um, I felt like I was pretty comfortably like a top five player in the game mm. uh, at my peak. And obviously that was reflected at ESWC and um, obviously Gamers Assembly the next year too, right? Probably still my biggest regret not winning that tournament. Um, Would have been pretty cool. Obviously Pac won the one the year after, which is... The first major British land victory. I believe that was before he won the world title. But yeah, um, yeah, just have great memories from playing in CM2. Um, obviously, end up in Dignitas too. Playing with all the boys, it was you know great time. Spam stream used to absolutely pop. It used <laughs> to be so much fun. Um, I, I really reminisce. I look at those days still with like a definitely a smile on my face. Do you think um, if the current era of Trackmania, which is very much or at least has been duos focus? Uh, would have been around in your TM and F days and TM two days that you'd have been able to lean a bit more into that sort of raw pace and not consistency, and then had someone like Pack maybe to back you up. Uh, yes, yeah, kind of interesting. Um, so they ran one. I remember like this is another little throwback. I believe it was called Red Light Red Bites. Was it called Red Bites? I might have to look on Wikipedia. Sure. They ran a two v two tournament in Milan in like two thousand eleven. I want to say this is really like obscure knowledge. Um, but I mean, like a lot of players went to compete there. It was like a pretty legitimate two v two tournament. Uh, I'm trying to think about who actually went to play. I guess Bergie played it. Um, yeah, I don't remember the, the exact name. I think it was called Red Bites. But um, yeah, it was already a, a, a trial concept, and obviously two v two was a sub match of the ESL Premiership that used to run multiple times a year, like the marquee team tournament that everyone gathered for and had multiple divisions, and you know, the, you know, had, would have a large viewer of a large viewer base. And indeed, player base too. Um, so it was already like a, a format that was well understood. Um, I think the draw fest was always something that was hard to get around, <laughs> which has kind of yeah. obviously been addressed in the new game. Um, somewhat, somewhat, yeah. But the the, the the draw fest was always the big issue, I think. So, in my yeah, eyes, it's it's always been pretty weird for me to watch duos become so pr uh, prominent in in the new game because I always just viewed it as an individual game and then like a a team game and those are like two completely different kind of disciplines um the 1v1 v1 v1 aspect and then the um you know the team the team based which could be up to 5v5 of course yeah i think you know like you're talking about world champions in 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 years gone by and it's it's distinctly one person uh whereas now when we talk about world champions we talk about otak and bren or, or carl and pack as these duos uh and i think that that leads to slightly not diminishes what they've achieved like it's obviously the, the absolute peak of what they can achieve but you do sometimes wonder like how much cooler it would be if 
you know, if it the most recent World Championship, if it was Otak versus Bren versus Pack versus Carl in the last match, as opposed to them uh, going at it as 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 two duos. Um. Yeah, it's not really. It's not really. I'm not really sure like what the rationale really was. I've not really dug enough into it as to why they they made such a marked shift in their approach to esports in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I always relish competing in LAN events in the one v one v one v one format. It felt like the real kind of the real test, you know, the, the, of, of metal. Um, I remember the, and you, and you really couldn't beat the excitement despite everyone. It was a very controversial kind of uh, like mode of running a game, but the, the finalist mode was uh, quite something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played one of the most famous Chatmania tech finals. I think, I've, I think, well, a lot of people have kind of forgot about it, but um, I played one of the only major finals where everyone became a finalist and it was just a one round shootout to win. Was that uh, a, uh, a, a four player? Final. Yeah, it was yeah. Gamers Assembly 2015, and I was playing against Kronos, Yo-Yo, and Coons. So it was me and Coons were on Team Acer at the time, and they were both uh, on against Authority, a French team, like the dominant French team. Um, and yeah, I just remember vividly being in fourth place in most of the match. I was having an absolute stinker, but they all three of them were like battling. So like they were so close in points as we encroached closer and closer to that point limit, and um, I just kind of got my shit together. <laughs> excuse language uh, at the end of at the end of the pretty much in the last map end up winning three rounds in a row when they were basically all on finalists to get myself to finalist and then i was basically joined in the lead on the on the rubber round in the rubber round and um just unfortunately chooched the wall and Kronos went on to win but then I, I despite that i managed to come second so there was still a yeah that's still my main achievement i guess uh, on the line yeah, we've had uh, recently we had the Ascension, which ended with us. I think it was a six-player finalist because it was an eight-player event That's uh, at the end, and it was it was wild. I don't think it was great. Uh, I think that I was sort of in a discord, and everyone was like, "This feels bad." It 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 brings out like very kind of short-term excitement, you know. Like the the, the, mm. the round itself is is a spectacle, but I agree, I very much agree with you in terms of like more of like the long-form competitive kind of you know like it doesn't really stay true to what to what i think competition should be i guess yeah it was um, a lot of people had lots of things to be said about it for years and years because it never changed once cut mode was <laughs> a thing from tmnf it never changed for a decade you know so let's see where you were kind of stuck with it and just had to deal with it yeah and, the, the uh, beauty of uh, reverse cut mode that we do in bitm events i'm a big fan of reverse cut mode reverse uh, cut mode was cool i did play the uh obviously i played one tournament it was my only tournament i've played in like eight years but uh, yeah, I enjoyed playing reverse equipment. It was it was fun for sure. Yeah. So uh, question two, and don't worry I, for for those listening and for us recording, I'm sure we won't spend 20 minutes on all the questions. But that was very <laughs> uh, that was very fun. So I'm happy to do that. Um, what input device did you use uh, when you were playing Trapmania, and why? Uh, so I've got a little fun story about this, and obviously it was a bit of a topical thing nowadays. Um, <laughs> yep. I actually used to have a PS3 and. Mm-hmm couldn't really have me i didn't really i mean i just didn't really have money just to like go and buy new controllers so i basically found a way to find it uh i found like this I, f- I think it was called dx joy it was like some real it was a bit of a ropey little chinese like emulator thing mm-hmm. um and it would basically allow me just to use my ps3 pad um whilst playing trap mania so I'm, i used that until god i can't even remember it's so long ago <laughs> I used that like for maybe the first 15 months I played, maybe 18 months. And then I eventually made the switch to the Logitech dual action. 
just because it, of course, uses the same layout as a, as a PlayStation pad, and that's always what I've been used to. Um, and then since then, I've just used kind of Logitech rumble pads in various forms. You know, obviously, there's been different models. I've used the F310 mm-hmm. for, for Evernote, but I've, I think I've used the F310 since even 2014. Like, it's been around for a long, long time now, and that was just very basic kind of pad, but it's always what, what I've been used to. And I've always just played with Cam 1, which is, you know, obviously the furthest pan away from the from the car. Um, always been pretty basic in that respect. Um, just so you, met, you mentioned earlier uh, keyboard, and then you quickly transitioned to pad. What was that pressure then that made you want to transition to pad back in 2010? Because we're almost having that exact same conversation, you know, 13, 14 years later. I just felt like I, I was just going to be more comfortable playing an analog game like a racing game on a gamepad. Like I had some limited exposure playing F1 2010 um, around this time. Or maybe it was, it might have been an earlier edition. Was 2010 the first? Uh, but uh, one of the, I just basically, I played games on the, P- I played race, a few racing games on the PS3 and found my most success just playing, obviously just played with a pad on there. And I thought it would make sense for me in Trackmania just to switch over like fairly quickly on. I just didn't, I can actually play okay-ish with a keyboard, but yeah, I kind of felt more at ease as soon as I moved over to the uh, to the analog input. Didn't really look back from there. Didn't really give it too much of a consideration after that, to be honest, other than just like personal comfort with regards to the layout of a pad that I used. Yeah, that's uh, that is really interesting. Uh, so, question three: uh, What is your favorite map in Trackmania history? Ooh, that is tough. I think it was a giant cup eight map in 2010 called Bolas. I believe that was the word, which is a uh, Portuguese for, um, yeah, the, uh, a, a particular part of, of your body. But, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was a playoff map for the giant cup eight, which was like, like I was detailing, um, and the little, you know, reminiscing earlier that it was like one of the biggest Chapmania tournaments online. It didn't have any prize money. It was just like, the most prestigious online individual cup mm. and you know back then we were i mean even if something had money it was obviously going to be incredibly menial we were basically just playing for pride and just out of pure passion for the game and, and competitive yeah. those hyper competitive drives so uh this map was the first map where i i really set like a standout world record um i remember i think sec oh, this it was even in the yo tech video there's like a yo tech video they made in like 2010 where they featured this map because they had a few replays of various of us that were in these playoffs um the second world record on the map was like 49.65 and then everyone was like mid point six to like mid point eight and then like not long before the playoffs kicked off on the day of them um i set a 49.46 which is like oh geez i was like point two faster than everyone on the track and it was like it was one of those every i was just in flow state for, for, the, for the for that map mm. i remember and even in in the in the playoffs themselves, I kind of accrued a lot of the points that I. Um, I, I found most of my success on that map just because I seem to just have more pace than everyone. I found a really cool little ramp cut trick that's still kind of there and is cool to look at in videos <laughs> when you watch my record because there was like a instead of taking a jump over a transition, you could actually just like side cut the ramp, and it was like ever so slightly quicker. It, it was it was very risky and only ever so slightly quicker, but it was really cool. So. <laughs> yeah, that was um, yeah, that was were kind you, of definitely my fondest map, I think. Were you uh, sending it every round in the actual? Um, event? Yes, I was. I was risking it. Yeah, I could even I could even actually post a video about it. It, it's, it's, it was a really like kind of risky. It was like you would go you were going off the ramp, the ramp block onto the grass, 
And then tra- like hitting some like transition after that back onto road that was a bit heavy. And then you could like auto slide. Um, and instead of taking the ramp that would jump up to the top of like this little like round hill block mm. that you were transitioning onto, you could just cut the ramp really like acutely on like it was on the left hand side. And uh, then you could actually just like get a bit more speed, obviously just driving along the grass. And then you just kind of like plonked into this like round hill and then you could auto slide and it, it was just like it felt really smooth and quicker it was, it was very odd it was very odd but uh, yeah i've just got a weird fond memory of that um just because it was it was one of the first records i did where i was like wow that was i felt like i really nailed that one we uh we'll definitely if you want to uh, tweet out the video when this episode goes live and we'll share that with everyone because uh, that would be that'd be cool to see i love a uh, a, a run or a you know a, a new route being found particularly during matches we had that in the final BIPL season two where uh, Epos had a, a different line to Boz in the final match and everyone was just like losing their mind. Like, is this, is this going to be worth it? Is this going to, is this, yeah, is this worth well, doing? Yeah. Is, is, and it's, it's, it's always incredible. Uh, it's always one of the, uh, the best experiences from a broadcast perspective. Um, Two so, of the uh, maps I had world records on actually just on that point uh, back then, 2010 and 2011, I actually discovered wall bangs on the maps. And obviously <laughs> um, they're infamous now in the game and memed about because obviously they were discontinued as a as a viable way to uh, approach competitive maps <laughs> but they were they were they were massive back in the day like just be able to slow your car down in a particular situation and set up a, and set yourself up into a slide just that kind of awkward like i mean it just kind of demonstrates the arcadeness of the game right it kind of i mean i feel i feel it's pretty pure but you know i don't know i've always been pro wallbang and yeah i was like i was always trying to find those tricky little things as we were just talking about yeah <laughs> so I, think, always... I think the players for the most part are pro wallbang I don't think that's ever been a pressure from the player. I think that's very much from above where it looks a little janky and I don't think they like, you know, it doesn't look polished, but I think they it don't looks like the optics, true. Yeah, sure. yeah, I think it looks true to what it is, right? Like it's, it's trap made. It's an arcade game, exactly. Let, you know, let, let's embrace it. Um, question four, uh, if you were to take part in a Trackmania Pro-Am event, which celebrity would you want on your team? I think it would have to be like a, a footballer that's like kind of got like a, a sense of humor. So someone like Micah Richards would be good. Like someone good. that's someone that's like clearly like done something like excelled at an elite competition and, 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 and like has the kind of wherewithal and competitive drive to potentially do well, but then it just the comedic value would be second to none. I think that's probably mm. a bit of a left field choice, but uh, someone like that I think would be great. Um, so are you a are you a Manchester City fan then? Is this where this is coming no, from? No, I'm well. I live in Manchester now, but um, I'm a Bolton Wanderers fan. I'm originally from Bolton, so it's been my hometown team. It's more just out of I just find them absolutely hilarious. Like I, I love watching like match of the day, and even though CBS Sports Champions League coverage, I just find it absolutely top tier, and uh, just kind of enjoy that kind of more laissez faire kind of approach to uh, uh, you know to, to you know sports production, but at the same time still incredibly insightful. Um, so that's kind of that's all me. So that's a bit of a personal thing, I guess. I always uh, consider Michael Richards to almost be like an esports commentator, where like for years we've had very sort of buttoned up match of the day style. Well, you know, they need to do better in this place. They haven't, they need to make pockets of space. And then you have Michael Richards, who's just very, very good, good at the game, has a, has a great history, but will do funny things and laugh and make jokes and feels a lot more like an esports broadcast than more of a traditional sports broadcast. Really, yeah, and I really think that's it. kind of probably why I'm leaning in that way too. It's like, it feels like more of a homecoming for the things you're detailing, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that would be, 
That might be a duo coming to a BITM, you know, eventually. <laughs> imagine, imagine the day that that could happen. I would love to do a, a BITM pro-am would be sick. Uh, although as many of the guests I've had uh, have claimed they're more am than pro. Uh, but I, that didn't mean I, mean, I didn't mean I was going to let any of them pick Carl. Uh, anyway, so uh, question five, uh, the final of the scheduled questions. Uh, we, of course, have an extra one at the end. Um, but what is your hottest track mania take? Um, I guess it's, I don't know if it, I think it's something that's kind of shared amongst mm-hmm. the, the older folk amongst us, but like, Trackmania back in 2009, 2010 hit levels in esports that I still don't think we've come back to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game was on the forefront of being like a premier tournament alongside CS 1.6, alongside, you know, StarCraft Brood War. This is even before StarCraft 2 Beta, maybe potentially too. Like we were, you know, we were a premier tournament at ESWC, then got picked up by World Cyber Games, which is basically the Olympic Games of Trackmania. Um, so many people used to watch um these re- on these relay servers and like and then especially when it was in Chengdu in 2009 where Kayen won as a 16 year old against Frost in the final um untold amounts of people were watching the this this stream at ungodly hours um <laughs> like this i think that was basically the point at which i don't want to say it was now or never for trapmania because like obviously it's gone on to be a great kind of content creation game and you know the, the community's particularly in the UK is stronger than it's ever been but I think that was kind of the inflection point for me where Trackmania was going to establish itself as a premier esports title that could have gone on to do great things or kind of has always been a little bit more of a, of a secondary esports title which which hurts me to say because obviously it's, it's a game I dedicated thousands upon thousands of hours to and it's still uh, I still got passion that burns to this day there uh, despite not really playing much at all anymore but you know um, what do you that, think that it was? Take, I guess. What do you think it was that made it not keep that crown? You know, like you mentioned, uh, Counter Strike. There, obviously, in uh, oh God, three, four different versions of that game have come and gone since those days. Uh, Starcraft has kind of fallen off, but has a spiritual successor in Stormgate that looks like it might reclaim that RTS title. But, but what do you think it was about Trackmania at that time that it just didn't hold? I um, think the same story that's kind of persisted now for going on 17 years and that's the developer it's from the office i think um i don't know what decisions were being made exactly behind closed doors during those those times but uh there was there was incredible amount of stubbornness to the point where frost and highless used to just go at each other on forums all the time and it was incredibly quite it was quite toxic at times mm-hmm. um because you had the most prominent figure as a as a player a multiple-time world champion the first multiple-time world champion we had before carl jr the face of Yo-Yo Tech then turned into Team Acer, having been the face of N-Faculty. Um, just going on loggerheads consistently with the head developer of the game throughout these years prior to TM2, it was kind of, it felt like those were the times in which something more could have been done. Um, yeah. And it still makes me feel a little sad to think about it because that's, that's I mean, that's the viewpoint that I have. And obviously, like we, like we said, this is like a takes and obviously there might be people that disagree. Maybe there's things going on at, at Nadia at the time that I don't know about. And obviously this is before the Ubisoft acquisition, like way before the Ubisoft acquisition. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of my, the main take I've always had with regards to the game. That's, uh, it's quite frustrating, let's say, that that's the same take that I think modern players have. Uh, but uh, we'll, um, you know, uh, we'll see where we go from here. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a, a shared 
sentiment across across time, unfortunately. Um, so the, uh, the the hidden question, the final question at the end, uh, it's, it's about something we haven't actually touched on uh, at all in the interview yet. So um, aside from your Trackmania and and StarCraft career, uh, you've got a let's say a fair bit of experience playing professional poker. Uh, what would you say is the most transferable skill between Trackmania and poker? Um, I think it's one word that comes up, and it's just obsession. Um, I think being able to get up to the the level I guess I reached in Trackmania took like such an incredible amount of single mindedness, like kind of really tunnel visioning, you know, like kind of blocking everything else out around you. Like I was not a particularly social person at secondary school. I kind of just used to just go home and play Trackmania all the time, you know. And I, mm. I was very much a recluse, and that was because I just got so single mindedly obsessed with this game, um, and that's obviously just been a part of my nature since birth. Um, <laughs> for better or for worse, but um, that was by far the most transferable skill, and I think that's always been reflected in people that have found success in poker. Having done something like we we have people that were chess grandmasters, it, it, it's just being able to really dedicate yourself to your craft and like and sacrifice other things within your life. I think that I think that's you know just despite the game being. At the face of it, a very, very different thing to a, to a racing game. There's still lots of muscle memory ticks in poker. Like pattern recognition kind of is somewhat reflective of, of, of just knowing a pattern on a Trapmania track, you know, it just in a different way, shape and form. And um, I would say that's by, been by far the biggest skill that I've learned from playing games that allowed me to have the success I've currently had in the game. Um, and I'm very thankful for that, for sure. I've been able to develop that kind <laughs> of just willingness to grind as hard as humanly possible, whether it be studying or playing uh, the game. So, And it's, uh, it's fair to say it's been much better rewarded in poker uh, than in Trackmania. Um, to, to sort of add on to this question, is there anything you think from the world of poker that Trackmania uh, as an esport could learn from? Um, I mean, poker is like a very open format circuit. And obviously, Trackmania used to be that way. Used to have its like marquee world championship event, and it still kind of is to some extent. But um, just especially in the world of esports, maybe this is more of a commentary on esports and particularly Trackmania. But um, and obviously, maybe since we're losing the world tour, maybe it'll return to this kind of way. But like, I really like open circuits, like going to play open LAN events, something people things that people haven't been invited to. In a poker tournament, anyone can turn up and buy in. And obviously, this is also harking back to the days of the big MLG open brackets, if you remember StarCraft II's heyday as well, like Anaheim yeah. 2011 and such. Um, I've always much preferred that kind of approach to to tournaments. And obviously, Trackmania was like somewhere in between franchising and it, well, it didn't obviously go full LCS or anything like that. But Worst um, of both worlds, as I like yeah, to say. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it. So I think it'd be quite nice to see a little bit of the opening again, potentially next year, if it, albeit, you know, Maybe maybe we lose some prize money with whatever's going to happen with the world. So no one even really knows. Obviously, we're losing players and teams right now, which is a bit sad. But you know, those kind. Of, I think a bunch of those players also are the set. You know, they're all they're, they're from similar time to time frame to me still, and still mm -hmm. going, and they're similar of similar age to me. And obviously, priorities in life will start shifting at some point for all of these people inevitably. So, um, not necessarily like the worst thing ever. I think we'll still have plenty of new new blood coming through even in these, like, hopefully we just get some great open events next year. And that would be like, kind of what I would enjoy seeing again in the game. Can we, can we expect to see you turning up to an open event anytime soon? Uh, if I came, it would just be to see people. I don't think I'm 
I don't think I'm particularly interested in playing another tournament again. I really enjoyed playing uh, BIPC, but like, I'm just going to really struggle to find the time to actually like, cause, cause I, when I played BIPC, I actually spent a lot of time on the tracks. Like I've not played a tournament in eight, I think it was eight years or seven years. And I really wanted to give a decent account of myself. Hmm. So I actually put a lot of time into those tracks and obviously I had to like get to grips with having to play dirt for the first time competitively. And I played a bit of grass, but yeah, and it was, you know, obviously it was a new, new thing for me too, in that respect. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to find the time. So if I do turn up at an open event, it'll probably just to be drink, drinking beers with the boys more so than anything else. <laughs> but still lending my support and, and enjoying watching those who are competing do what they do, you know? Yeah, I think it would uh, it would be really good. Uh, and uh, yeah, stay, stay up to date. Uh, there may or may not be things on the horizon. Who knows? Uh, but uh, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, and before we wrap up, is there anything else uh, you'd like to say to the audience or anything you want to let them know about or just happy to uh, to head off um i have I've, I've got somewhere to be but i will just say i really do i really like love seeing how big the trackmania community has become in the uk like the, the the growth of the discord has been like still my still mind-boggling to me now and the amount of things that the community sorts itself out for it like i honestly think that somehow the uk community has, be, has gone from being completely dead in the times i was competing <laughs> to being potentially one of the best communities there is in the game. And I think that's a credit to absolutely everyone involved. Um, and I hope that long may that continue, really. That's all I've really got to say about it. Thanks for listening to Keeping Track. To listen to other episodes of the show, you can visit our Substack at www.nodal.media or you can search for the show on your preferred podcast apps. You can follow the show on Twitter at Nodal Media and uh, even follow me on Twitter at a Thomas Davis or on threads at thomasdavis.jpg. Thanks for listening and see you next time.